Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, a trade primer. Who's the next big name the New York Knicks will go after? Is it an old flame in Donovan Mitchell, a new one in DeJounte Murray? Someone else will have it for you next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. So visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today. And every day is now available on all platforms. That includes on YouTube. So if you want to see our smiling faces on a day-to-day basis, we've actually been there for like two years now. Get with the program and subscribe and hit that notifications bell so you never miss an episode. And be sure to do the same on your favorite audio podcast platform of choice. And if you want to take things to the next level, be sure to hit the link in the description and subscribe to our subtext where Alex and I will text you our thoughts on the New York Knicks, the latest rumors, the latest reports every single day before and after each game. And you can ask us your questions. He's Alex. He's the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check them out on all forms of social media at the strict.land. I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And with that, Alex, it is time to talk some trades. OG Ananobi, we used up our dopamine rush on that. He's awesome. I'm excited to have him. But God damn it, I want some more. I want another trade to talk about. Um, and we're going to start off with some stars. We are we are treating this episode as sort of a primer. So maybe, maybe we'll end up doing it because that's just kind of what we do. But our intention is not to go super deep on any one player, but just to sort of run through a bunch of different names, the odds on each guy, and then as we get closer and closer to deadline, presuming the Knicks don't make a move, we will go deeper and deeper on individual guys. So after that long caveat, Alex, uh, I kind of think there's only two places we could start the first two names on this list. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Well, let's start somewhere uh, different, which is just do the asset rundown of what the Knicks yeah, have available. I think, you know, before you go to the poker table, you want to take assessment of your chips, right? You know, and make sure you, you know what you have to work with here. I'm so terrible then, at poker. So this is a good, this is a good well, lesson. There we go. This, is, this will be yeah. good for you. This will be good for you. Uh, all right. So the Knicks have, as far as first round picks, they have Dallas's top 10 protected first round pick. That's top 10 protected for the next two years or else conveys as two second round picks still from the Kristaps Porzingis trade notoriously did not convey this past year. So that's got two more years of protections on it. Presumably that is going to convey this year. Then they have two extremely unlikely to convey picks from Washington and Detroit, at least in the next couple years, unlikely to uh, convey. Washington's pick is protected one to 12 this year, one to 10 next year and one to eight the year after then conveys his two second round picks. Detroit's is protected one to 18 this year. So fat chance that's going to do anything. One to 13 next year, uh, one to 11 the year after that. And then one to nine in 2027 and then just conveys his one second round pick if it does not convey by then. Then they have Milwaukee's 2025 first round pick, which is protected picks one to four. That's going to convey no matter what, because if it lands in one to four, uh, I believe it's New Orleans gets to keep it. Uh, so if if Milwaukee tanks in 2025, they're kind of screwed no matter what. So they're probably not going to do that because they're still going to have Giannis Antetokounmpo, I assume. Uh, the Knicks also have all their own picks, which thanks to the Stepien rule, uh, which is a rule that teams can't trade 
uh, picks two years in a row. They can't trade their own pick two years in a row, which was you know made to specifically protect teams like the old school Knicks from themselves uh, and make it so that they could not trade all of their draft capital, only half of it. Uh, so that means that the Knicks are able to potentially, if they wanted to make some nuclear offer to someone, include eight first round picks, at least in name. Uh, you know, I think those Washington Detroit picks, maybe not quite as valuable as your average first round pick, but some people might disagree. Uh, so they have eight first round picks they can throw into things. They also have a myriad of seconds uh, that they can include. They have Utah's this year, Brooklyn's next year, Detroit's next year, even though they trade Detroit's for this year. Uh, in the OG deal, they have Detroit's for next year as well, which is, again, probably going to be quite valuable. Two extra ones from Indy. They're missing a couple of their own second-round picks, one from the Brunson, quote, tampering uh, that they did. Um, another one from uh, uh, somewhere. I don't know. They traded it at some point. I, I lost track. Also, of course, they have Quentin Grimes. They have Mitchell Robinson that they could technically trade, who's a young-ish player on a pretty good contract if they decide that they want to stick with Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, you cannot trade Deuce or Josh Hart thanks to their extensions until the offseason. They they cannot be traded until uh, or by the deadline. So as far as we're talking about deadline stuff, don't include them in any of your mock trades. Uh, they also possibly, it's been reported, they have a traded player exception that was generated in the OG Ananobi deal, which would have meant they technically consummated that as like two separate deals. Uh, so if they did that, then apparently that's around five million, which they can absorb a player into. They also have a TPE from the OB trade uh, because that was just a player for a couple second round picks deal. So they have uh, a trade of player exception generated by that too, which I think is around the same amount, like five million or something like that. They also possibly will get a disabled player exception worth around eight million dollars for Mitch if that's approved by the league and they determine that he's going to be out for the year. Seems like the league is uh, doing some injury reviews this week because they just find the nets for resting players. So, you know, maybe that's right around the corner. I don't know. Uh, but Gavin, at any rate, that's that's the situation of what the Knicks have to work with. So as much as you wanted to make me make the choice, I'm going to make you make the choice on who to talk about first. <laughs> All right. Well, the good news is it's not it's not a super hard choice for me. I, I, I got to talk about Donovan Mitchell first, though. Maybe maybe you'll have some pushback. Though. So let me I'm, I'm going to actually talk talk this through myself. Um, so Mitchell, I think, is clearly a better player than the number two guy in this list, DeJounte Murray, like, like just a different class. Like we, we mentioned it, maybe it probably went down a little bit um, after the Knicks uh, kind of kicked his butt and contained him pretty well last series. But going to last year's playoffs, he was like the seventh all-time leading scorer in, in NBA playoff history in terms of points per game. And that was over a number of runs. Um, all of them like very, very young into his Utah jazz career. He's a bonafide elite playoff scorer. We know he is like a top, like two to three percentile athlete in the NBA. His skill level, I would say is like top 5%, top 10% in the NBA, whatever you want to say. There are very real defensive questions about the fit between him and Jalen Brunson. And then the other thing that gives me just a little bit of pause is the fact that it hasn't totally worked out between him and Darius Garland. And if it didn't really work out between him and Garland, who I would say is maybe even a little bit more pass first than Jalen Brunson's, maybe not the Jalen Brunson we've seen the last two games, but the Jalen Brunson we've seen over the last year and a half. Um, why would it work out really seamlessly between those two? Um, you could make the argument that OG and Anobi as like kind of a flexible wing defender maybe helps them more than the Cavs like big interior defense does. Obviously, the Knicks also have rim protection and they have Julius Randle. So there's not, there's not really anyone obvious to play off in the Knicks lineup. I think it would work really well. DeJounte Murray, on the other hand, Alex, 
he, like the current version of him, is just sort of a lesser version of Donovan Mitchell in my mind because he's become kind of an ISO artist in Atlanta. And yet the best version of him, at least in terms of type of player, is pretty much, again, outside of like an all-NBA type of talent, like exactly what you would want to complete this current Knicks uh, like star quartet, I guess it would be at that point, in that he was an absolutely elite defender on the San Antonio Spurs, like one of the five or so best guard defenders in the NBA. And this year, he's shooting fantastic from three for the first time in his career, 38% on 6.2 attempts per game. So if you could just cherry pick those qualities, like you can make the case that he's a better fit than Mitchell. My fear there is that he hasn't been those things on Atlanta. He's been the shooter, but not the defender. And then if you go back to the Spurs, he was the defender, but not the shooter. So it, it, it's it's kind of an interesting, like just kind of how you see him. Um, and, and because of that, I think Mitchell, like if I were just to pick one, even though Mitchell's going to be more expensive, like I'm probably taking that star swing, trying to add Donovan Mitchell and, and crossing every part of my body and hoping it works. Yeah, I guess the other thing too is if you trade for Donovan Mitchell and then down the line, like it, you put in here as far as cost, and, and I'm I'm in agreement with this. It would probably cost Evan Fournier, Quentin Grimes, and then like somewhere around like four or five firsts and or swaps. That's the other thing to consider when you consider that the Knicks can trade eight first round picks, if you, if you pump that out to swaps too, I think they could do 12 first yeah. round picks traded plus swaps, which is crazy. Um, so, I mean, they have, they have some pretty good latitude. Like you can use half of that latitude on Donovan Mitchell and then still have, still have some stuff to burn down the line, which is crazy. Um, that said, like if DeJounte Murray, if it comes down to, he's just sort of a, a casualty of the Hawks not wanting to be a tax team, which they never have been the last few years. They're not really going anywhere this year. So they're not going to be like super enthusiastic about dipping into the tax next season to have another team that might not win, <laughs> you know? So they're going to be like, well, crap. Well, why would we do that? If they're in, in a little bit more of a leveraged position where the Knicks are able to give up like Fournier and like, I don't know, maybe those two, protected first round picks that I'm not super fond of the the Washington Detroit ones that at least on a, a ledger of a trade to sell to a fan base looks like look we got two first round picks back for DeJounte Murray even though like if you take one look at them after that and you're like well yeah but are they ever going to convey because those two teams are terrible with like no real recourse right now like Detroit just looks really really bad and so does Washington and Washington's even further back in their rebuild than Detroit is at this point. Cause they like just started it this year. So I think there's like a very real chance that that Washington pick never conveys too. Um, but if that's the case, then, you know, I might be more on, on board with the DeJounte thing. Uh, and just for the fact of you get a good salary chunk. And then if things don't work out the rest of this season, then maybe you pursue Mitchell this off season. If the Cavs aren't super keen on, trading him before this deadline and if you would have to pay more of a tax to do it before this deadline because the thing is is that over the summer donovan mitchell is going to become an expiring contract so because he can opt out of his final year of his deal after next season and then be a free agent and go wherever he wants and you know it's no huge secret that he wanted to come back to new york a couple years ago and he probably still wants to come back to new york especially if cleveland like disappoints in the playoffs again this year so that might give the Knicks a little more leverage to, you know, potentially get that done for uh, the same amount of picks, but you get to have that DeJounte rental this year. See if that works out by some chance that works out like crazy, then boom, you're set. 
But if not, then you have those options down the line. I think that's the reason that I would, out of those first two options or headliner options here, I would probably lean more DeJounte Murray and hope that he can reclaim that defensive acumen and figure things out a little more here than he did in Atlanta. Um, and hopefully it would work better having a guy in Jalen Brunson next to him who's more comfortable without the ball in his hands than Trey Young, who is not much of an off-ball player at all, which I think made that sort of a difficult thing to begin with. But either one of those guys, I think, could also stagger really well and help run the bench unit and everything else. I I, I would love to have either. I, I think that as far as DeJounte is concerned, though, I just would appreciate the the flexibility going forward more compared to the cost it would take to make a deal happen by this deadline. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing, right? I know I am constantly guilty of that. And I, I kind of set these resolutions that are, are very extreme and ultimately unachievable and, and ultimately uh, lead to disappointment. And I, I think therapy helps you manage your expectations for yourself. And and maybe the, the better way to say that is just be a little bit more forgiving. You can find your strengths. So you ditch extreme resolutions and make changes that actually stick because at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all trying to do? And that's certainly what I've gotten out of therapy. I mean, the ability to see what's realistic and uh, what, what's actually going to benefit me the most versus having pie in the sky goals. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, it's a good idea to give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. All right, uh, let's, let's keep it rolling, Alex. We are going to go rapid fire through some other star level players um, that the Knicks could trade for. Let, let's start with a pair of bulls. Um, I'm going to start with DeMar DeRozan because in some ways, even though he's way older, I kind of like him more than Zach Levine. I, I, I honestly kind of love that he's an expiring free agent and the Knicks could get him at a relatively cheap price. Um, I think probably something like two lightly protected first round picks would get it done. That might even be more expensive. Like I, I think that's kind of anticipating a bidding war um, plus Evan Fournier. Um, you might have to give up one more thing to get it done from a financial perspective because DeRozan makes $10 million more than Fournier. So that trade exception doesn't quite get you there. But I think he's someone who's pretty likely to get traded who could be a decent fit for the Knicks. The only question there if you're the Knicks is, is he enough of an upgrade to vault you into meaningful championship contention? I personally don't think so, but I, I could see the Knicks talking themselves into it. Yeah, I guess. Do you want to be the team that is negotiating a new contract for 34-year-old DeMar DeRozan this coming offseason? That would be the thing that would worry me. That said, the fact that he is going to be, that he is an expiring deal, and given the way things have gone in Chicago, I think it's more than likely he's not going to stick around there. Uh, and they probably know that at this point. Probably deflates his value pretty well. Um, I, I do worry about spacing. I worry about how how much of a role he would demand on this team, which, you know, maybe you could say is a similar thing for DeJounte. And I mean, Donovan Mitchell would just be like a next level star. So it doesn't matter, but like, is DeMar DeRozan going to come here and be like, well, you got to play me like 35 minutes a game in the starting shooting guard spot. And it's like, well, we run into problems when there's another guy on this team, you know, that plays shooting guard. Sometimes that can't really shoot confidently from three all the time. And Josh Hart, do you really want to commit to that all the time? And granted, you know, DeMar DeRozan is a much better player overall than Josh Hart, but I, I would worry a bit about that. I did think it was really funny that he was like jacking from three against the Knicks the other night, though. It almost felt like a tryout. 
where he was like, look, guys, I can do it. I can do it. I promise I can shoot. I can shoot threes. <laughs> uh, the guy that can shoot threes, Zach Levine. Man, this, this is a load of bull here, right? There's a lot of bulls. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, he's super efficient, shoots high volume, really good athlete, you know, whatever, really injury prone, which really worries me and gets paid a ton of money. I mean, he gets, he gets paid as much as the biggest stars in the league, you know, like upwards of $50 million by the end of his contract. I don't think he's one of those guys. Uh, and I would not, I wouldn't go for him. I mean, the chances that both those guys get traded, I, we had it here at, like 60% for DeRozan, 65% for Levine. I think those are probably pretty accurate. Like if Levine balls out a little bit before the trade deadline, I feel like the Bulls at this point would just be like, forget it. Let's just reset um, and just get off of both these guys um, and just kind of like do what we can to recoup what we did building this team, which was a ton of assets. They spent so many assets to have just a, quite frankly, terrible team now. Um, so, you know, it's I, I guess we'll see what they end up doing. If I'm the Knicks, I wouldn't be super in love with going after either of them. Just for DeMar, it's like the timeline and age fit. With Levine, it's like I don't buy into Levine overall as a, as a player and especially for the amount that he makes. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, next guy we had on here is Lowry Markkinen. Um, you you wrote down for the fit really, really interesting. I would... I would concur on that. I think I think where we maybe disagree is like I kind of think Julius Randle would be going out in the trade, except for the fact that Utah just doesn't really need Julius Randle. And they would probably like maybe it would be a three team deal where Randle's going to a third team. They're sending a bunch of assets to Utah. The Knicks are sending a bunch of assets to Utah and the Knicks end up with marketing. But um, to your point here, like Lowry has played three before. I think that limits his effectiveness just a little bit, just because his shooting isn't quite as special at small forward as it is at power forward. Though defensively, to your point, you are just enormous because at that point, OG and Anobis are starting two. Markkinen is like a seven footer or like a six eleven guy as you're starting three. Um, you've Randall the four. Um, Isaiah Hardenstein for now, but you could. I mean, once you add Markkinen in there between him and Anobi and Brunson, you could you could bring Mitchell Robinson back as a five and not really have totally major spacing issues. Though I think if Markkinen tried to drive, you would. I don't know, Alex. There's a, there's a lot going on there, but as you note here, uh, you would you'd probably have to give up the farm for him, given that it's Danny Ainge, and there there certainly aren't fond feelings there. And he would he would try to rob the Knicks blind in that kind of trade. And also, like I know he was it was it was um, reported that he's quote unquote available. I, I think it would be absolutely absurd for Utah to trade Lowry Market. As others have pointed out, um, he actually wants to stay in Utah, and that is extremely rare for an NBA superstar. So they should hold on to that guy for dear life. You have it at twenty five percent. I I think it's gonna I, to me it's more like ten percent. I don't think it's gonna happen, but on paper, um, a fantastic fit for them. Yeah, I guess it just depends on if, like, Ainge, you know, he seems really interested in just going full, full rebuild. So if he's like, oh, we want to, like, tank out for the next two years and try to uh, try to do essentially what Presti was doing initially before Presti mm -hmm. then decided, crap, we have too much talent. You know, I guess I guess we're not trying to tank for Wembenyama or whatever anymore because now we have too much talent to do that. Uh, my bad guys could... i drafted too well was was essentially what happened exactly <laughs> that, that poor poor oklahoma city they drafted too well and weren't able to get one yama and instead just have one of the most exciting young teams since the last time they had one of the most exciting young teams um but anyway yeah i it, it depends on if he wants to go that route or if he wants to follow the the actualized version of what presti did and just be like well i've got the stud in hand already 
there's no point in trading him. And ultimately, Presti didn't trade SGA, which worked out great for him. So maybe that's sort of changing the uh, the thought process of some of these GMs that were trying to bottom out, especially like parity is m- more prevalent in the NBA now than it's been in a long time. So I don't think it's super likely. Also, I'll just write out the trade package I wrote. I thought it was kind of funny. I thought you'd have to give up Fournier, Grimes, the rights to Rokas, Jokobitis, four to five firsts, maybe the naming rights to Dolan's next real estate venture. Um, and I don't know, like uh, yeah. one of Leon Rose's children or something like, I don't know. Sure. It's going to take a whole thing. Well, they, um, if, if you give up Leon Rose's children, you also give up OG Ananobi in the trade. So you don't want to do that. I guess so. Yeah. Cause that's, that's his, uh, that's his new baby. Um, but yeah, I, Oh I no, no, no. Because Sam, Sam Rosen's his agent. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. And yeah, I didn't think about that. That's so hilarious. Um, anyway, but yeah, it's uh, I don't think it's super likely either, but I do think it's a name that the Knicks should at least like make a call on. I, I would, I would try running him at the three with Randall. If you could pull that deal off without trading Randall as part of the deal. And you could somehow do that with just a bunch of first round picks. If that's what Utah's motivated by, which in the past they have been, then I would do it and I'll try to figure it out because I think the Cavs were sort of on to something a couple years ago and then they traded Markin in uh, as part of the Mitchell deal, which obviously tough to fault them with, but like that lineup that they had where they had Markin in at the three weirdly really worked. And that was sort of where he started blossoming. And I wonder if you can make that work on the Knicks. Uh, I'll just briefly touch on this guy. Macau Bridges, uh, I think is, really pretty much a perfect fit i mean you know it's especially if you ask the the knicks only like villanova guys people uh they'd be like oh my god of course that's the guy they would trade for because that's all the knicks do is go after villanova guys but if you could do this without altering the starting lineup players and then you could start brunson bridges og randall and isaiah hartenstein i mean that's a legitimate possible eastern conference finals possible finals team this year just based off how balanced they are on both ends of the floor um, the fact that Macau gives you more than OG and like the creation department uh, while also giving you what he gives you on defense would just be crazy and to see those two whipping around the floor together. It probably would cost a ton though. Cause like Brooklyn is throwing rumors out there already that they want to build with him still, which maybe that's a smoke screen. Maybe they're just trying to drive the cost up and ultimately trade him. But I don't think so. It seems like they're foolish enough to be like, I don't think that Mikel is a 1A superstar, but they seem foolish enough to think that that's the case uh, because they don't want to admit that they lost the Durant trade or whatever. Um, So, yeah, it would probably cost like Fournier, Grimes, like all of your picks. And that's just the baseline. I mean, I don't know. I I don't I don't think that it's going to happen. I I would give him maybe a 10 percent chance of being moved by the deadline based off the smoke that's out there. But if the Knicks find a reasonable opportunity to go for him and don't have to pay too much of an in-division tax, I say go for it. Yeah, to me, the the biggest issue there is that the Nets just don't have any of their own picks, so there's no incentive for them to be absolutely terrible. Like, I I think it's pretty clear, like, what Mikhail did last year wasn't sustainable, and, like, he's best off as probably the third best guy on your team instead of the best guy on your team. So maybe the world where they do it, to your point, is, like, if the Knicks give them a ton of assets and they feel like, all right, we're just going to turn that around right away with our son's picks into, like, a true star, and maybe that's, like, that would be kind of ironic if if, if they worked out a trade to get assets from the Knicks so then they could turn all their assets into Donovan Mitchell. But honestly, as a Knicks fan, like I'm I'm fine with that. If the Knicks end up with Mikhail Bridges, because I'm with you. Like as much as Mitchell is a better player in a vacuum, Bridges is just 
such a fantastic fit. Um, I, I would be cool with that. Um, three names we had here, but don't have time to get to uh, in depth. Uh, Jalen Green, Draymond Green, RIP, the, the Greens on this podcast, and and Kevin Durant, who, who's the most fun one, but also the most unlikely one. Those three are probably not happening uh, for various reasons and, and maybe shouldn't happen for various reasons. Um, but Alex, uh, that would be a crazy bet to suggest Kevin Durant would be traded to the New York Knicks. Um, but if I'm the kind of guy who likes to make a crazy bet or a more reasonable one, uh, where do I ultimately go? Well, that's where you want to head over to FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers get a one hundred get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet. That's one hundred and fifty bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and much more. As as always, I'm going to highlight the same game parlays. No more fun way to juice up a game. Uh, you just spend like, you can do like a dollar or two on some of these because by the time you stack all the odds together, what basically happens is you take a bunch of smaller bets that normally wouldn't be worth a ton on their own and put them all together and wager them all against one another where they all have to happen all at once. And so if you think you're like really smart and you know what's going to happen in a game, you could place one of those same game parlays and potentially win a bunch of money off a very small bet. So you can go in for like a, a low overhead and a huge amount of potential winnings, which makes any given game a lot more fun. Sometimes I do it on a Knicks game just for like an extra thing to jazz up the game for me. Uh, and it's always a ton of fun. So if you want to do that or any other type of betting, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, and we're back in, Gavin, and it's time to get into the the role players and bench minimum, you know, I, I call them like minimal role, stopgap level players, like basically the guys that, based off our discussion last episode would be sort of taking like Deuce McBride's minutes, um, you know, and sort of just playing that smaller role uh, and, and, you know, maybe playing 10, 15 minutes a game tops and hopefully not much more than that. But I want to talk about the role player level guys first, and we'll try to get through these guys somewhat quickly, but Malcolm Brogdon comes to mind first. Uh, I think he's a really good fit. I think ironically, you know, given how much we uh, lamented his very existence last year, he could give you exactly what you need in that Emmanuel quickly spot after he robbed Emmanuel quickly of six man of the year last year. He's averaging currently 16 points and six assists in Portland on 44% from the field, 41% from three, 79% from the free throw line. And like, as far as cost, he's not quite a rental. Uh, he has one more year left on his deal and he's making roughly what Fournier does, but obviously he's an infinitely more useful player and could be a, more appealing like building block to a trade sort of similar to what we were saying about like DeJounte Murray too where he has the salary that you can use later on uh but you know Portland it has a little more leverage because of that extra year so it's not like you could just dangle like one first round pick sort of like what you did with Josh Hart last year and be like well you know if you don't trade him to us he's walking this offseason so you know get something for him uh so they might be able to squeeze you for like Fournier and maybe two of the protected first or something, but I'd be fully on board with that. I think you'd be a really good fit. Uh, I think the chances that they do trade him is probably 65 to 70%. Uh, 
uh, the 30% or 35% that they don't is just if they say, you know what, we've got latitude to do this over the summer and find some team that wants to finish off their theoretical team rather than their actualized team, you know, which sometimes pays bigger dividends, um, but also would come with caveat of him being an expiring contract. So I don't know, but I, I think if the Knicks get a chance to do it and the cost is not too high, I think that's a, a perfect player for them to go after. Oh yeah, I'm 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 totally with you. You 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 put this name down, and uh, my my eyes lit up. I was like, yep, yep, I'm I'm on board. I mean, it, quintessentially what the Knicks need at a relatively affordable p- price. A guy who uh, started his career off as just like a straight up like bowling ball, like bully driver, and has become like an elite three point shooter on volume, a good enough playmaker, and and like gives you at least offensively like pretty much everything you get. From Emmanuel quickly, certainly not the same defender, certainly not the same, like maybe as good one-on-one or better one-on-one, but like not even the same universe as a team defender. But that is as close to like a, a one-to-one Emmanuel quickly replacement as you could get. Obviously not with not with the same ceiling down the road, but in terms of like saving this season and, and making the OG trade worth it, like that is like maybe the guy out of everyone we talked about that I think most realistically ends up on the Knicks. The only issue there is I, I think there's going to be some real competition. Like ju- just thinking about on the fly, like I bet the Sixers with, with all the assets they picked up in the Clippers trade, they're going to make a really compelling offer for him to try to juice up their bench. And Oklahoma City, who has the luxury to do whatever, like I think he's a good middle ground for them of not going like all the way in on this season and like messing with like the future salary cap implications for their, their young set of stars, but also like juicing what is now like legitimate championship hope. So I I'm, and I'm, I'm talking about Brogdon more and, and, and all the other teams because I, I, I just think he's that compelling from a Knicks perspective that it's worth exploring. And that's maybe worth a full podcast down the road. But Alex, in the meantime, uh, how do you feel about Jordan Clarkson? I think he would also be a pretty seamless fit into the IQ slot. Um, his shooting from three is pretty, pretty bad this year though he's shooting 30 percent from three on like five and a half attempts per game you don't love that he's also only a 34 percent shooter for his career from three which was surprising to me i thought he'd really turned that around in recent years but kind of to the contrary he shot like 31 percent on higher volume like two years ago uh the year after his six man of the year uh campaign where he shot like 34 percent so he shot about his career average that year uh from three and then Last year, I think, also shot around 34%. So, like, he's not actually that great of a three-point shooter. He sort of just has that, like, he has the respect of teams from three, at least. So he provides that gravity at minimum, which is good. Uh, But also has been distributing at a higher level this year. He's averaging a career high in assists so far this year at, like, over five per game, which he's never done before in his career. So you get that, too. Uh, Again, on defense, not really going to, you know, wow you or anything but should be passable hopefully if you put him in a good enough system he won't be starting maybe he'll close a couple games if he's like really cooking but he's been a six man for you know pretty much his whole career won a six man of the year award as well so he's got one of those under his belt you know so there's some prestigious names in this like role player category but i i'd look into him if i was the knicks but again you know if you got to pay the age tax not great also his contract situation is weirdly a little less appealing for the Knicks, I think, because he actually makes more this year and then much less the next two years. He signed apparently a very team-friendly extension with Utah where he's only making about like 14 to 15 million the next two years after this. So uh, 14, 15 million per season uh, the next two years after this. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I I would still go for him though. I mean, he's obviously a talented scorer and fills a need, 
but I, I would not like him as much as Brogdon at all, especially if the cost is about the same. Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 with you. I I just this team so desperately needs ball handling and creation, and he brings that to the table. It's it's not a perfect fit, and I think I think it's something that would improve the Knicks pretty substantially in the regular season and come back to bite them in the playoffs a little bit. I just, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this because he, he's had some monster scoring efforts in, in, in close games against good teams. I, I just don't really see his game translating to the playoffs because of that lack of shooting that you mentioned. And that'll, that'll play fine. Like if you, if, if he was truly a luxury piece and he was playing for 15 minutes, but the issue is whoever the Knicks get in this role, I ideally would be someone who's capable on the right night of closing games for them. And maybe that's true for Clarkson if he's hitting his threes, but he's not someone I want out there because he's not really going to be guarded to, to a great extent. And defensively is going to be a total liability. And that, that, that combination is, is, is not great next to Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Um, Alex, you also had Marcus smart on here, which um, I don't, I, I just don't see Memphis trading him at the end of the day. I think they, they, they gave up um, quite a bit to get him and they want to be, good with him and they want to play him next to John Morant and see how that looks. And if, if that has to carry over into next season, that has to carry over to next season. But I'm with you in that he would be um, a, a pretty good fit for the Knicks. Yeah, I guess it just depends on if Memphis wants to sort of lightly blow it up this year, considering I think their season is more or less over at this point. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to dig out of the hole that happened when Morant wasn't playing and like get into the playoffs at this point or something, because the West is really competitive and there's a lot of good teams ahead of them. And, it's just it's too much to make up at this point. I mean, they were really bad without Morant. So if they just decide like, hey, like we're willing to give this guy up, then I think the Knicks should line up because I think he would be a really, really good fit. Also removes one Nick killer from the world and puts him in a Knicks jersey, which would be awesome because <laughs> he's certainly been one of the most horrendous Knicks killers, uh, mostly in his time with the Celtics, obviously, since they haven't really uh, gotten a look at him uh, with the Grizzlies yet. But yeah, I... Uh, I, I would definitely go for him, but it's probably a pipe dream. I, I would give him maybe a 10% chance that they even trade him to any team, you know, not even including the Knicks. Then as far as like the bench and minimal role stopgap level guys, I scoured the free agent market who's, you know, still on that carcass <laughs> and hasn't been picked yet. And also uh, one notable name at the end, but the first guy I'll bring up is George Hill. Uh, not a bad fit. He's like the ageless wonder. This dude has just been contributing to pretty good basketball teams for like his whole career uh, and always seems to play well and is still free agent at this point. As far as I know, is not ready to hang it up or anything. So he's probably just waiting for that call around mid season, like right around now for some team to call and be like, Hey, you want to help us out for the back half of this year? Let's let's do something. Um, I don't think he's like so old or, or washed up or anything that he's going to hurt you in 10 to 15 minutes per game. And he's certainly a smart player. He's going to take care of the ball, shoot threes, but can, you know, credibly dribble the ball down the floor, get a play set up, you know, do all that good stuff that you need. Uh, all it'll cost you too is James Dolan's cash veterans minimum contract for the rest of the year, probably. So I don't know. I made this one, not just the odds that he goes anywhere, but that he goes specifically to the Knicks. Like, if they find themselves like that, they don't make another trade and especially like something somewhat splashy. And they're like, you know what, let's just get, let, let's just get a capable body in here and just ride this season out and we'll figure the rest of this out in the off season. I think Hill's a really, really good candidate there. Yeah. I think, I think I disagree. I think to me, he's point guard Taj. Like he only shot 31% from three last season. I guess the year before you could say he shot um, 36, which obviously isn't 
or, or at least on Milwaukee, he only shot 31%. And in a really small sample size with Indiana, he shot uh, 52%. That was taking two per game. All right. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'm being too harsh on him just based on that one stat, but um, doesn't, doesn't really defend at this point in his career. Like doesn't really play make in like the, like was playing 19 minutes per game on the bucks and only got um, two and a half assists in those minutes. Like um, he's, he's fine. I, I don't think he's, I, I think I'd rather like bet on Deuce McBride, figuring it out, which or, or, or Malachi Flynn for that matter. Um, he, he, he can space the floor a little bit. So maybe I'm, I'm talking myself into it a little bit. It, it's not, it's, it's, it's definitely not a terrible suggestion, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm at him I, as I, like, yeah. I, I see him as like a 10 minute per game guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, think I got you. No, I know. But I'm yeah. just like, I think it would honestly go like Taj where you pl- did that for two or three games. And then yeah. in the wrong matchup, someone would just torch him for like five minutes and, and Tibbs would say, screw this. And we'd never see him again, but I, maybe that's fine. And, and, and maybe that's worth the risk. Um, the next guy you had on here was, was Austin rivers who I'm maybe a little bit more open to just because I think defensively, it doesn't look quite as bad. My only issue there is like, it's kind of what you said, like, like I think you nailed it last night. Like for both these guys, I'd rather just play DiVincenzo an extra ten minutes per game at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. And uh, you know, Austin Rivers too. The the other thing is he and Tibbs have sort of a bad past with his last stint on the Knicks. Things didn't exactly end well there. Um, but if you want another warm body who's familiar with the team and who is a guy that's been on the Knicks already, he's maybe worth looking at. Uh, but I I don't think it's a pretty I don't think it's a very high chance because he wasn't a Leon Rose guy. He was a uh, Steve Mills guy. So that's, I don't think it's super likely that he ends up uh, on the Knicks. And then Ish Smith is the last guy. So uh, that would be, or actually, wait, was he, was he a Leon Rose guy? Yeah. He, I guess Leon Rose did sign Austin Rivers. Now that I think about it because that was the 20 to 21 season that he was here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Never mind. Well, whatever. Yeah. So maybe, maybe the, bridges are fixed i don't know whatever anyway ish smith let's make all clyde's dreams come true give a second round pick and one of those traded player exceptions to charlotte and let's make this thing happen what do you think yeah yeah clyde clyde does clyde has been away for a while i apparently just just some r&r so uh that would that would be the ultimate welcome back present from the knicks and i'm i'm down for it <laughs> all right well i think that's it for this episode we went longer than we thought we were going to so much for a primer uh but anyway thank you all for listening And we'll have more on some of these guys, uh, unless the Knicks just like really are determined and make a trade by like this weekend or something, which I'm not totally ruling out. I would not be surprised if they just want to move fast and get this team gelled and ready for the playoffs as soon as possible. But uh, if they don't do that and things stretch out to the trade deadline, we'll certainly be talking about these guys in full episodes, uh, hopefully with some of our some of our colleagues from the Lockdown Podcast Network and getting some uh, insider perspective from local markets and all that good stuff. But. Till that time, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you all soon. And we'll have a game recap for you guys in a very big division matchup tonight, tomorrow morning, against the Sixers. So keep your ears out for that as well. Till next time, though, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.